Man, music is powerful. And how many people should cops kill to consider they're taking uh, people out? Let's talk shop. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning into another episode of Let's Talk Shop. Uh, today, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to go over a few topics instead of talking about one specific topic or two topics. Um, so let's 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 dive on in. Uh, before I get started, uh, so everyone knows if you've been listening to my podcast, I drive a forklift at Costco, and one of my duties is to drive in and out of a cooler. And I don't know if anyone has ever had this happen to be to them before, but I've been absolutely miserable. I'm going into the cooler, and I don't know if you have you ever been into a meat cooler or gone into like a you know like a market, and when you go in. There's like those little flaps that keep the the air from as much as much as it can to keep, for keep it, um, it getting out so it stays cool. So I'm going in, flaps fly up, something falls in my eye. Uh, usually that happens. I blink a few times, wipe in my eye, it falls back out. But this one was being stubborn and it got stuck. Uh, and I, I just been miserable. Like I got off my forklift, I'm like, Went back to the emergency eye wash, rinsed my eyes out, like took paper towel, like wiped my eyes, rinsed my eyes out. People are giving me like all these things to put in my eyes to kind of rinse it out, did that. Uh, went to urgent care. They rinsed my eye out. It's been absolutely miserable, you know, and it's crazy because so your left, so it's my right eye. So my left eye wasn't affected, <laughs> but for some reason, it has like sympathy issues. So it's sympathizing with my right eye. So it's, it's, it can't stay open. And, you know, every time I keep my right eye open, cause it's, it's just constantly watering, just water filling up, coming out. Like I'm just crying out of just one eye and uh, it's doing it right now. <laughs> and, uh, and it still feels like there's something in there. It's mostly sore now, but my, anyways, my left eye is just like, every time I want my right eye to be closed, my left eye is like, nah, I can't, I can't without my, your right eye. So, um, that's just a story I just wanted to share with you. It's been absolutely miserable. I had to go leave work, go to urgent care, do a whole paperwork for workers comp. It's embarrassing. I felt embarrassed because I'm like, this is it's like something little, but it's taking up time. And then I drive a forklift, so I didn't even trust driving a forklift the last two days. You know, I called work yesterday, and then well, I actually got told I couldn't come back to work until I seen an ophthalmologist. So or optometrist. So then I had to go schedule an emergency doctor's appointment because with COVID-19, you can't just do walk-in. So you got to call and make appointments for everything. So I finally did that. They didn't see anything. It's kind of torture because they uh, you got to hold your eye open and it's constantly watering. Both places put a numbing cream in it so I can't feel the pain, um, but it only lasts like a half an hour. Uh, and then they put like a green-ish yellow iodine in your eye. And then they use a black light to spot the particles. But all they could find was my eye was really dry. So they've been both places subscribed or prescribed me um, just like replenish stuff that just keep your eye moist so that it won't be as dry. So anyways, <clears throat> that's my story of the day. Let's, uh, let's move on. <laughs> I had this question and, it's, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about it. Uh, I do catch a lot of flack for... For thinking outside the box, that's how I want to look at it. I'm just I look at it as I'm thinking outside the box as far as how um, you know current events go and politics go and uh, social 
issues they were facing, how they go. Um, just for the record, I'm not opposed to anyone who wants to protest. I think um, however you want to protest, as long as you are not disturbing um, anyone or slowing anyone's business down or anything like that, like protest. I mean, I, after all, I found out that you have to consult with the police before you protest. You can't just show up with a bunch of people and protest somewhere. So you actually have to let people know. They're not going to tell you no, but you have to get you have to notify someone that you're going to protest. So I'm all about the peace for protesting. Um, and then everything after that, I'm not for. I just want to be on a record like, like get out, get, get hurt. Make sure after you protest, you're still doing more. Like just wearing a T-shirt and holding a sign is not enough. You have to push more people. Uh, and when I say that is, let's say you got your T-shirt on, you got your sign on, you go out, you're saying, you know, Black Lives Matter or, you know, social injustice, whatever you, people are yelling right now during the protest. After you do that, uh, don't be afraid to talk about it. Like right now, I think it's such an uncomfortable thing for people. Like at work, we're not allowed to speak about it right now. So it's a very uncomfortable thing to talk about, but you have to reach people and they have to reach you. I was talking to a coworker the other day and obviously we're not supposed to talk about it. So we kind of kept it on a hush hush. We had a quick conversation, but the cool thing he said to me today or the other day, and I, I told him, like, Hey, I'm taking that. That is such a, that's a cool saying. Or maybe it's, it's not a saying. He just said it to me, but whatever it is, he says, sometimes people talk, I'm sorry. Some sometimes people listen just so they can talk, and I was like, "That's a really good point," because a lot of times people will let you talk so they can tear what you're saying down instead of hear what you're saying and asking the right questions to challenge you, like your thoughts. Because that's my new way of looking at things. Like if you say this, I'm going to say, "Go look at the numbers," or if you say this, "Go hear what this person said specifically." Don't take things out of context. And, and then I say, then come back and tell me the conversation. Because if you say something to me and you're like, oh, I heard this person said so-and-so. And I'm like, well, that's not entirely what they said. You should go look at the speech instead of reading an article who, who's just taking things out of it to tell you what a person said. If you listen to the person's entire speech, you know, speech entirely, then you won't. You might. You may feel the same way. You may not. But you can't say what you're saying now because what what I hear you saying is you're speaking on part of what you heard and not the whole thing of what you heard. So I like that this this person shared that with me. And he and I do not share the same political views, but we can have a conversation. And I understand exactly what he says because when he speaks to me, he speaks from experience and things that he, like facts that he's known that he knows of. So you can't argue facts. I can never argue facts. So, period. Um, but it, moving on, like with further in that conversation, is when you, because I've noticed this on Facebook, when you, like, okay, so someone puts up a Facebook status and, and it's, it's very, it's very leaning a, a bias and opinion about a thing. And people comment on it. And then instead of the person saying, and I've seen one person actually say, I didn't know that. And then I, and then I have to go back and take a look at that. I've seen one person do that. He actually does it a lot. He posts stuff. People say something. He's like, oh, I didn't notice that. Um, but other people will post something. And then you'll say, you'll say something like, um, yeah, I don't think that's entirely true. And then they argue like, oh, well, it is. And they try to justify it. And it's 
Like, well, where are you, where's your source of information? Like, you can't just take, and we got to start falling victim to it. We can't, you just can't take a Fox article or you can't just take an MSNBC article or, you know, or a newspaper because newspapers have a tendency too to give this, like justify your information that you're giving. You'd actually have to take the source of, the credible source of information that you're getting, like a statistics, like a PhD doctor um, who actually did a study on it, you know, like that is factual information. And I know since it's it's um, science, I just want to say science because all studies have to kind of do with like fall in the category of science. Like you're doing a case study, you use math and process of elimination, those kind of things to determine like your your outcome. Um, so you, So they do this and it changes over time. It can't be the exact same thing over time. But for the most part, it is dead on you know, uh, center to what, whatever you're looking up at that time. So that, that just brings me to ask this question is, so we have this and I don't, I'm not going to answer this question today. And maybe someone when I ask this question could possibly send it to me anonymously or they can, um, or they can let me know and I'll have a way for them to give, um, send me their question or answer to this question. But does anyone in today's, not 20 years ago, not 10 years ago, because things have changed, have any proof of systemic racism, of institutionalized racism? Now, people still believe that it does exist. I have not seen it. I've tried reading about it and looking up information. I watch videos on it. And everyone is saying things from like 2010 or 2008. And I'm thinking, well, this is 2020. You know, it's a whole new decade. And I know you don't think like what a decade could have did to a people where they can't prosper now, but that's not true. I know that's not true because where I was 10 years ago isn't even close to where I'm at. I'm so much further than I was 10 years ago. And I know a lot of people out there are where they are from 10 years ago. Uh, So I will ask that question again at the end of the episode. uh, I'll give away for people to answer that question or to, you know, redirect it and see if you can get more information out of me. I'm not really sure how it's going to go, but I will try. Um, what two things that brought me to ask that question was people, you know, we're protesting and we're um, going up against the police right now. A lot of us are, are making them, I'm sorry, we're going up against the white police right now. And we're making them seem like they are systematically taking black people out. So, question to you is to that is how many people should the cops kill to consider that they are slowly taking a people out so and what you know to be more exact how many people should the cops kill and i don't mean to sound that so like negative you know in a mean way but so you can look at the max or you can look at the minimum like let zero should be cops should be killing anyone but they are people they make mistakes we have to adjust, help to make changes. But it's since the situation is out of control, how many, let's just say, okay, so last year, how many people should the cops, what is the minimum or the maximum of how, people, how many cops, how many cop killings should there be where we say, all right, you're trying to eradicate the black people? Like, how many cops did you kill? Like, 20 people? So you say 20 people a year, that should slow the rate of black population or 30? Or 40. Just, I'm just curious. 
I know the exact number of how many unarmed people were killed last year. There were people that were black. And I know how many how many black people were killed last year trying to flee the police. I know the exact number. But I know that that, that number and our population, if they did that per year, they like with the amount of births that we have, that wouldn't be the way that they would slowly take us out. So if that is part of the systematic a systemic racism as far as it being institutionalized, um, how many should they be killing? Like what 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 number should be the highest number that says, hey, all right, now we need to take, take a look at this because I'm still not convinced that right now that's we need to be looking at this police issue, this police brutality as a as a black issue or, or a white issue. I'm still on the on the like firmly attached to the idea that it is a police issue. And a friend of mine posted a uh, a quote from Chris Rock. And I remember watching this on his, his stand-up comedy. Uh, it was funny because he said this obviously before all this came out, but he said, and well, between before the last um, brutal black killing of a, from a police officer, but he wasn't talking about as black people. He was talking about it as police in general. But Chris Rock said that there's just a few bad apples about the police. And his joke was saying that's a that's a that's a cool way or a good uh, a nice way of putting a murderer. <laughs> so he's saying like you yeah, a few bad apples. A bad apple equals a murderer. And I took from that like he's right. Like they there should be some more extensive tra- training and less brutality, less. You know, they have a, a power to be in full control of a situation to not let it escalate to a different situation or more than what it is, and it has happened. And then he also said, how would you accept it if your pilot, ah, oh, there's a few bad apples, and the pilot's like, some some of us can land, some of us can't, you know? So that was his comparison. It's pretty funny. It's uh, Tambourine on Netflix. Um it's 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 pretty it's a pretty good Chris Rock is pretty level headed when it comes to his comedy, like he I can't really ever tell what side he is of politics that he's on, but I see that where his views are. So, <clears throat> anyways, um, so just think about that, um, like for us to say for us to put in the the, the you know the proof that the cops are slowly taking black people out how many of us should be taken out before we consider, all right, it needs to stop. But that's for all people. Like how many white people should they, like should they not be able to kill or, or, or Hispanic, you know, or Middle Eastern. So, and just also think of, think of like the question I asked, does anyone have any proof of systemic uh, racism or institutionalized racism? Um, One of the things I thought about that was, please forgive me when I say this, but I think all the companies putting out statements, all the, the um, extended hands and uh, acknowledging social injustice is complete bullshit. It just is to me. I'm sorry. If your company that you work for has hadn't been showing like they care or didn't care, like if you're a person of color and you work for a company, are there other races working for your company? Is it? Is it? And I don't say that in a sense of. Uh, because I always believe, well, I've believed within the last two or three years that now I realize you want to hire the best person possible. It doesn't matter what color they are. <clears throat> um, 
which I, I do want to initially write that down because there is something else I want to say about that. Um, but when you, the company that you work for, when they hired you, you know, did you have an idea what you were going to do with that company? Did you have an idea like if they were, you know, this is the this is the entry level, they're the 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 ceiling is the limit, or is this just what you're going to do? Are there other people who look like you at your job? Like black people or Asian people or Hispanic? You know, is it a pretty diverse company that you work for? Where's the location of your company? Because I don't know if anyone knows this, but it's like there's there's very few states that have a population of seventy five percent white. Um, think of how to word this. I just found this information out this morning. Um, so let's say like you you live in New Hampshire and your person is you're black and you live in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is like ninety percent white. Obviously, because the population in New Hampshire is ninety percent white, you expected everyone you want people to be working and being successful. So that means majority of the jobs are going to have majority white people. So if you if you walk in and you're a, a black person, but you work with, I don't know, you're one of 49 people, 50 people work there, you're the only black person. So you're one of uh, 50 people at, at work in a company that in a company that's majority white, but you live in a state that's 50%, 90% white. Is, is there something you expect that company to do about hiring more people of color? If the state says, if the statistics show that 90% of the people who live in New Hampshire are white. And there's other states that are like that. So where you live does account for how many people you're going to see that look like you. So if you live in an inner city of a major city like Chicago, Miami, Detroit, uh, Cleveland, Columbus, L.A., you know, uh, like Dallas, like places that have a large population of black and Hispanic people, you are not going to see people who look like you. OK, so if you live in like uh, New Hampshire, Montana, Idaho, Iowa. How many black people do you know live in these states? So why would you expect there to be more black people hired in those states? So when companies put out messages, and I get it, some corporations do, private companies are doing it too. And I even seen it on Call of Duty. Uh, so you see these companies put out statements about, you know, they're acknowledging the social injustice, blah, 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 blah. I think they're only doing it to pander to people who are feeling like there's a social injustice going on right now. And it's, to me, it's not authentic. Maybe some companies mean it. Some, some companies are just trying to stay out of trouble. Um, I feel like if you're a company that doesn't show that and you can prove that, then you don't have to do that. I feel like don't pander or cater to a people or a person because they want you to. Do it because the company should be doing it because they feel the need to and they're in full support or something. And if you're in full support, I don't need to go tell you. I don't need to go tell my employees I'm in full support of them. I show them. I sign their paychecks. I give them vacations. You know, I know who they are. I don't need to come up to them, hey, I know what happened with so-and-so last week. Well, that wasn't justified. Here's a little something, something, a little letter telling you how much I care about you. Like, no, I don't need that. Just keep sending me my money. I don't need I don't need you to care. I got, I got other things to care about. I don't need you caring about me. Just make sure that my, my stock is still going up. My 401k plan is intact. I'm getting my pay by the hours. I make sure I accumulate my vacation hours. And if I get hurt, take care of me. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking you to care. Like I get it. People are holding this. Uh, this. If you don't speak, you're staying silent, and, and being silent is like pretty much going along with everything. That's not true. That's that's so far from the truth. Think about how many times you have not known about something, and then you speak on something, or you you do something because you and you don't know about it. If you've ever done this before, 
How stupid do you feel when you find out you were wrong? I think, some, and let's say, you got to know, not everyone in the world feels the same way. Not every company, not every person feels that there's this big social injustice because I've talked to many people who don't feel like there is this issue that is going on. That that people are like people of color are noticing or saying that they see. Um, so you got all these people saying that they don't believe that this is happening. You got people saying that this is happening. But if you don't, if you say that it's not happening, the people who say that it is happening are jumping down the people who don't believe that it's happening's throat and calling them bigots and racists. But they're thinking it like then and the people in return are going, like, you're falling for it. Like, I see what's going on. Why can't you see? You know, it's like two people fighting, and that's why sometimes you don't need to speak on it. If you don't Sometimes you don't need to support it. Sometimes it's okay to be silent. I think of um, like someone was giving Michael Jordan a hard time about like finally speaking up. He hasn't spoken up on social issues in years. First of all, think of a person of his of his stature. He runs a company. He owns one of the most prestigious brands in the world. He's on football jerseys, he's on shoes, he's on clothes. Everything has their hand in Jordan. Every like college, NBA players, they're all signed to Jordan. So let's say Jordan, let's say Jordan. Doesn't he does feel that there's a social injustice going on? But majority, and I'm not trying to say to make it a race thing, but let's say some of his shoes are sold in New Hampshire, and they are feeling like there's no social injustice because they don't see a social injustice in New Hampshire. So he's like, blah blah. blah there's a there's a social injustice, and then he just lost ninety percent of the people in New Hampshire's money. Now you may think that that oh he's selling himself short for money. Like forget you, because at the end of the day he still needs his bread. I don't care how rich he is; it's his money. Why would he mess up his brand? He's got to leave something to his kids, his kids' kids, and his kids' kids' kids. Like, don't give a man a hard time about not speaking on something that's going to jeopardize him and his opportunities or his career. Now, perhaps now, if you got someone like LeBron James is ready to speak on those things and he's got full support, he's not worried about that, he's a whole different caliber of a person. He also grew up in an area of social of, of social interaction as far as social networking. So he he grew up on Facebook and 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 Twitter. Jordan was around it. He avoided the media when it was just cameras and 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 journalists inside the locker room. Now everyone needs his smartphone and they can be a journalist. So don't give people a hard time about not wanting to participate in what's going on even if they have the stature to do it. <clears throat> because they're not they they may not be helping. And if you're not helping what are you doing? That's just my piece with that. Like, I don't believe the companies entirely. I think they're doing it because people are telling them to do it. I think they should be able to feel what they want to feel and still make a bottom line. Because at the end of the day, if they're still hiring people of color and employing, I don't know a business out there. Someone telling me a business out there that's not hiring people of color or giving them opportunities. And understand, if we're 14% of the population, you expect us to be 50 or 70% of a, of a, a corporation? How does that happen? So, anyways, it's moving on from that. Um, I feel like we're having a successful conversation today. <laughs> uh, I had a cousin. Um, I, I'm trying to get people to ask, ask me questions so that I can respond to them. Uh, so I have a cousin that uh, sent me a question, and I'm going to play it for you, and then I'm going to answer a question. So. Uh, give me a second. Let's, let's get this ball rolling. As a black conservative male with the means to influence others, whether through your podcast or conversations, what steps are you taking to ensure that your peers and your allies 
are using their voices to help us fight against racism and injustices we face in this country. All right. So um, to answer your question, I think it was a good question, uh, especially because um, her and I, when um, when we have our debates about politics, um, it gets kind of heated, but that's okay with me. I think it's, it should be okay with people because anything that you do discuss or have a conversation about, if you feel passionate about it and you don't get behind it, uh, like then you, it's like, do you really stand behind? Like it shows passion. Um, so the first step was starting a podcast, uh, and it's to obviously talk about things and it's to inform and challenge people to inform themselves. And it, and it also, I'm hoping, you know, I get a wider um, um, group of people to listen to me. I've, uh, you know, I start off reaching out to family members, people I work with. I post on Facebook, um, you know, and the only way that you, I can keep in contact with a lot of people now is through social networking. So a lot of times I um, po- comment on people's Facebook statuses. And sometimes I'm trying to be better about it is saying that I'm not trying to argue with you. I just... I just want you to engage in the conversation with the right tools of information. So the first step to, was to to start a podcast. Um, the second step is to get people listening. So I got to figure out how to market myself to get people to listen. Even if you know, if if I'm only speaking to a hundred people, I'm cool with speaking to a hundred people because, in terms, they are that is now um, in in their minds. And they're turning around and having the conversations with other people. Second thing is to always be talking about it. I know right now I can't talk about it at work, but I'm always, you know, when I go to family gatherings, people are like, don't talk about politics with me. I get it. You don't want to get, because I'm just going to upset you. You don't see me get upset, but you will walk away upset. <laughs> I'm not bragging. I'm just saying like some people get behind their, their, like I said, it's passion. And I'm just trying to, keep, I try to keep a cool head because all my things are, here's a breakdown of numbers. Now tell me what you're talking about. And I am trying to be way better about listening to understand versus listening to talk. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's the first, that's step one and two. Um, I think I, I think one of the things I might ultimately do, honestly, is uh, I don't know yet because I got you know I got a lot of family and I, I mean when I say that I have kids and I have you know a job I have. Uh, things that I need to be doing. So, but I do want to start talking to large groups of people. Uh, like not a motivational speaker, just like, um, I don't know if it's teach a class on a weekend or uh, whatever, park gathering. I don't know. I'll figure that out. But it's to talk to people and it's not to push, push my thoughts onto them. It's to get them to think about what I'm saying. So that's the one thing you have to open the minds of people. You can't you can't just tell them this is this is right, this is wrong. In a sense of that, there's no right or wrong, if that makes sense. Like if I'm talking about liberals and conservatives, and I'm right now I I want to be more in the middle. I'm only being conservative because I feel like some people are going too far left, and I need we need to be all of us need to be focusing on how do we get back to the to being in the middle. But uh. I think it's if we don't work together, we're just going to keep going further apart, and it's going to be to the point where we don't even know the the people on both sides anymore. You can't recognize the other person. But, uh, anyways, so that's to to kind of get people to think, like kind of how I'm doing about 
think about what you want to do, what you want to, how do you know that you're a conservative? How do you know you're a liberal when you might not even be liberal ideas that, or how, how you feel about ideas separate from the, the, from the side that you think you're on. So let's say if you're talking about, and I just, just, just throwing this out here, let's say you're on the side of pro-life, but you're on a side of, you know, health, like, you know, healthcare for all. So you, so pro-life is a conservative way of thinking. Healthcare for all is a, is a liberal way of thinking. So how do you know, why would you say you're just a liberal, but you think pro-life or, you know, why do you think you're a conservative, a conservative for thinking pro-life, but you're thinking healthcare for all. So my th- thing is just to teach people like, have your own thoughts, have your own ideas, do your own research, understand what are the pros and the cons of thinking this way. And can you live with that? That's the way of thinking. So I think that was a good question. I think I should get more questions like that because I think it's a challenge. Um, so I'll just you know post links every week so people can ask me questions about stuff like that. All right. So before we take off today, two more things. I want to talk about how powerful music is um, and how much of it is an influence. I, when I was in high school, and I, geez, I'm trying to keep these episodes under like 45 minutes. But when I was in high school, um, we had to take this HBDMI test or HBMI test or HB. It's it's a test where it tells you what part of the brain that you use the most, how you think, and what jobs that would suit you better in life than you know what you think you want to be. Like you ask a kid, does he want to be a police officer? And then he grows up, he takes this test, and they're telling me you might be better as a doctor. You know those kind of things. So. I took this test, um, and it, obviously, I don't know if people, if you know me, you know I have like the gift of gab. I, I can hold a conversation with just about anyone, even if they annoy me, I can still talk to them. So it told me that I'd be a good radio personality. <laughs> so it's probably because of my music taste and because I, that I like to talk um, to myself pretty much <laughs> um, every week when I do these podcasts. Uh, but that's what it said. Uh, um, that I, I would be suited for a to be a radio personality. So you then they had me work with a radio personality, and then I had to come up with a study to, to that ties into music. So my idea was that as I'm working at the radio station, like, well, what do people do? They're listening to radio on their music, right? When do they listen to radio and music? Either commuting to work and school or commuting home. Like that's most people are listening to the, the radio and what music are they playing? They're, they're playing the top 20 songs every on an hour between those times. And I'm thinking, I mean, I get it, but music is powerful. So then I did this whole, like how powerful is music? And uh, they have music therapy. I don't know if anyone knew about that, but there's also like, it shows like if people are listening to their favorite songs that they're, they're like, that puts them in a really good mood. If a person cuts them off, a lot of times I attend the music is keeping them like, ah, whatever people cut me off all the time. That may not exist in New York, but maybe in other places. Maybe, okay, so like L.A., New York, and Chicago, but every other place, people probably can get with the program. Okay, so L.A., New York, Chicago, and Atlanta. And then every other place, I think, is okay <laughs> with, with dealing with that. But anyways, um, so I did all this, this, this powerful music, and then everyone knows, like, you know, there's like this idea that you can speak something into existence. Um, so... That tied into what music did you listen to as a kid versus what music you're listening to now. And I can say that I listen to 
I was the eyeball of, of my group of friends. I listened to a lot of goofy music, but of course I listened to rap and R&B. My dad, like the first song he would play in the morning sometimes was Too Short, Money in the Ghetto. My mother hated that song. She hated that he let us listen to that song. But we, me and my brothers probably know the, the, the lyrics to the song like word for word to this day. And I probably haven't heard that the song since I was a kid. But uh, <laughs> so, so music has a, a powerful influence. Um, so I am challenging people to to listen to music, but listen to the right music. Like if we can filter out the negative music, it'll have a less. And I know it's it's a, it's a stretch, but it'll have a less negative impact on us. Uh, I've been trying to listen to a lot of positive music. Obviously, I'm still attached to the, like the music that I, you know, grew up on. So every week, I'm just gonna try to like say try to listen to these songs. I know a friend of mine as we're leaving work, she's telling me she doesn't know what to listen to, and I'm thinking like, yeah, I don't know what to listen to anymore. I had two friends actually say that like they don't know what to listen to anymore. Music isn't as good as it used to be. I'm thinking like, there's got to be some good songs out there. So um, I found uh, four songs that I'm gonna share with you. I just want everyone to know that the only music I don't listen to is death metal so i'll listen to like half screamo half singing but i just won't listen to all screamo everything everything i listen to country rap r&b uh folk bluegrass everything my heart is with r&b but if you got a strong voice and a really voice that carries i can listen to i can listen to any, i can listen to you it's like not a problem so all right so um the song I'm gonna leave leave you guys with is uh it's a remake from like the 80s. Her name is Ella Irie. It's been in my head for like the last couple of days. I cannot stop playing it, but it's um we don't have to take our clothes off. Uh it's not a <laughs> you can listen to this song in front of the kids. I honestly think my daughter needs to listen to it a lot so she knows that um th- this is okay. <laughs> so Ella Irie, we don't have to take our clothes off. It's a really good song. I like listening to it. Um, and then there's Randy, for you country singers, uh, Hauser, Hooser. I'm not even sure, but I'm pretty sure if you put Hauser or Hooser, this, this Randy is going to pop up. And it's called How Country Feels. I like that. I like that song. Um, it, I'm just, country music is really growing on me. Uh, especially it gives you this, like, um, like this, this feeling of comfort. You know, R&B gives me a groove feeling, but country music gives me like this relative, like I can relate to the song feeling. So, um, you know, some of you may listen to country music and know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you may have no idea. Some of you just can't tolerate the twangy, but still it's good music to me. Um, And then DJ Luke Nasty. I don't recommend a lot of the song for a lot of people, but people who like rap um, that don't, that don't like a lot of, um, derogatory around music. This guy is it because he, all he talks about is like how much he loves women, and but he never like talks about them in derogatory way. I would not recommend this song in front of kids, but uh, it's called Sugar Honey Ice Tea. <laughs> so DJ Luke Nasty, Sugar Honey Ice Tea, and then the last song I'm going to suggest is going to be Run the Jewels, which is a group that a friend of mine that I work with just put me on. I had never heard of them. I mean, I, I, I like listened to Killer Mike back in the day when he was with Dungeon Family, like with Outkast. But Killer Mike is in a new group. It's called Run the Jewels. They have really good music. This song has Pharrell uh, doing the beat. The name of the song is Just. Check Run the Jewels out if you're listening to um, like, like crazy rap. They're a crazy rap group. 
Um, and that's it for the music. Uh, before we go, I remember I've been challenging you guys to, uh, so if you have your notepad or pen or you need to pause or whatever, do what you got to do, but to challenge you on how you feel about your uh, political views. This is just the run ideas of things to think about to see what side you fall on. Um, so far, we've talked about the LGBTQ community and we talked about healthcare. Uh, today, I want to talk about the economy. I don't know if I talked about that yet, but if I have, we're going to go over it again. And we're going to go through it real fast so we can get out of here. And then, uh, and then you know, one day I'll go back over these things and I'll talk about where I stand. You'll figure out where you stand. You might see why I stand in a certain direction. If you looked up, if you looked it up, if you haven't, then you won't know. And then, you know, we're just back to not, you know, not opening our, up our minds to, you know, let information in actually help, you know, our minds break, breaking things down logically to decide where we really stand, how we really feel about certain issues based off the information that we have. So um, anyways, economic issues, equal pay. Should employers be required to pay men and women the same salary for the same job? I think that's an obvious kind of question, but some people don't always feel the same way. So uh, should the U.S. raise taxes on the rich? Maybe I did. I don't remember. Anyways, minimum wage. Should the government raise the federal minimum wage? Pay sick leave. Should businesses be required to provide paid leave for full-time employers, pl- employees during the birth of a child or, um, you know, hurt or just like, um, you know, if they got cancer or something like that. Uh, universal basic income. Do you support a universal basic income program? Uh, I think, I think I'll take an episode and just talk about that one day, uh, instead of going through it right now. So government spending, should the government make cuts to the public spending in order to reduce the national debt? You never know how much that affects you until you actually look it up. Should the government use economic stimulus to aid the country during times of recession? You know, we just witnessed that for this is the first time I've witnessed it. Uh, stimulus. I know that George Bush issued stimulus, but I wasn't working enough to even earn that. But yeah, this is a another stimulus. So, should the government prevent mega mergers of corporations that could potentially control a large um, portion of um, of a company or a thing? So. You know, if um, what is it? So you got, let's say you just got three major companies: AT and T, Verizon, and Sprint. And then Verizon and Sprint get together. Now it's just AT and T versus this multiple, like this huge corporation. I'm, I know, obviously, there's more. I'm just for example. So, um, uh, free tax filing. So should the IRS create a free electronic tax filing system? Um, I think so. Since they want our money, we got to pay somebody to pay our taxes. That think that's just silly, but some people may feel different. Um, capital gains tax. Should the government increase the tax rate on profits earned from the sale of stocks, bonds, or... Um, uh, I wrote that question down wrong. I think I did. Me, oh, oh. Should the government increase the tax rate on profits earned from the sale of stocks, bonds, and real estate? So, there you go. <clears throat> Um, Federal Reserve. Should the Federal Reserve Bank be audited by Congress? I think I'm going through these too fast because these are actually some complicated. I'll do the easier ones. Uh, Corporate tax. Should the U.S. raise or lower the tax for corporations? Labor unions. Do you believe that labor unions help or hurt the economy? uh, I'm not going to talk about that right now. Uh, Oh, should the government subsidize farmers? Uh, 
tech monopoly should the government break up amazon facebook and google <laughs> those that's those are just examples i wrote down obviously those aren't like i don't think amazon facebook and google are, are like really monopolies right now because um people do use amazon but i don't and i know other people feel the same way i do so but those are examples i can think of because they are the strong like everyone still talks about those things but people don't always use google as a as a source of looking up information so um what's the last thing property taxes um would you favor an increased sales tax in order to reduce property tax i mean think about that like think of would you rather play like let's say eight percent in sales tax versus two thousand dollars a year on property tax because that's it could happen so anyways those are the uh economic things to think about obviously there's more but i'm challenging you to look them up and figure out what side of the bar you uh you are on all right so the question i'm gonna leave you with i'm gonna post a question to my facebook uh and the facebook page of let's talk shop and i'll send a link so that way you can ask any question or you can answer a question if i send the link it, it only allows you to have a minute so if you answer a question, you, I mean, you're just going to have to click it a few times if you want to answer the question a bunch of times, or you can just figure out what you want to say and see if you can wrap it up in a minute. But question I have for you is, does anyone have proof of systemic racism? And like I said, I'll post that link. If you even have any other questions um, about anything I talked about today or in a previous podcast, or you want to say, hey, why don't you talk about... Um, these political issues on your next podcast i really want to hear about that i would you know i would gladly do it. i'm you know it's all about uh the listeners and reach get you know reaching you guys so uh until next time guys hey.